This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by my friends, my buddies, my colleagues, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody, and good evening. And of course, that man with the news, Ali Johan. Hi, good evening. <laughs> good evening. Now, um, as usual, a show in three parts. We'll be starting off with some news, moving on to a chat about um, electric cars, and then wrapping up with a car review a little bit later on in the show. It is the Mercedes-Benz S580e. So then, Ali, what have you got for us this week? I'm going to start with a piece that could be a bit of a relief to the congestion problem in Klang Valley. And uh-huh. it's talking about heavy vehicles being banned from KL main roads. Just last week, JPJ issued a, a stern warning to errand lorry operators and drivers to stay off the main roads at specific times of the day. An announcement they made on their Facebook page, uh, they said that vehicles exceeding 7,500 kilograms in weight are basically prohibited from entering the main roads and about five kilometers radius away mm. from the city center. The time limit specified is between 6.30 a.m until 9.30 a.m., the morning drive time, yeah. and in the evening, between 4.30 p.m. until 7.30 p.m. every day. Okay. This comes after an observation uh, that they've uh, been making over the last few months, uh, as I mentioned, in the endemic phase. Uh, it's showing that heavy vehicles have been entering uh, the city during peak hours. And I'm sure if you've been driving on the road, you have seen a lot of lorries and heavier mm. vehicles on main roads. I can imagine it does slow down traffic, but do they add on to the congestion? You know, a large vehicle is a large vehicle. But, you know, since it's a heavy vehicles ban, I'm just wondering, does it include Toyota Alphards? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should apply it to them. And, you know, when we when we did an article on this because the news came out, I, I just wanted to share something with the, the listeners. I was actually taking a walk near my neighborhood towards the PJ Newtown. You know, that's my morning exercise and a little bit of, you know, uh, busy boarding along the roads. And this was 7.30 in the morning. And on a busy section of the road, there was a restaurant in PJ Newtown that is very popular in the mornings with breakfast. And there was a single-digit uh, car. I'm not going to mention what car, but single-digit car. With, you know, you know, they all have these fancy badges to say they are someone important, you know? Mm, mm. Parked, blocking half of the road because it's a two-way road. If you park there, everybody starts shimmering down to one lane. You know what I mean? So that's causing a traffic jam. So I took a picture and I was thinking, should I put this up on DSF? But then I'm thinking, you know, it's a single digit number. He's got some fancy badges. I'm sure I'm going to get, you know, some notices from, you know, some people. Mm. But you see, these are the people who are causing traffic jams. Yes, you have heavy vehicles, but heavy vehicles move along. You know what I mean? But when someone stops like that, immediately you're taking a two lane road. It's like a monsoon drain. If you mm. cut it in half, when the rain comes, you're going to have flooding, you know? Mm. I mean, there's a couple of things. I- I've noticed, you know, those times that they're taking these. Um, heavy vehicles off the roads is often the times that you know supermarkets are loading up on their stock uh, and stuff like that so it, it all depends on i don't know are, are they kind of okay if you're a construction vehicle you've got to come off the roads but if you're delivering stuff for groceries or whatever which we all know are in you know demand right now i'm yeah. not so sure taking them off the roads at this time is perhaps the best idea i don't know yeah. Yeah, it could be a vital time for them to be on the road, right? Ah, on top of that, when you are in a big vehicle, you 
you see, I ride a scooter and very often when I see a big vehicle, I, I pull back. Because why? I don't think they can see me. Right. You know, and I pull back a little bit or I try and go around them or something like that. Because a lot of them, you know, they might not see me. The side view mirrors are not large enough to capture the whole image because they're sitting up high and they don't get a proper view out. And, and this is the problem why you have a lot of small fender benders. Richard, coming back to your thing about supermarkets delivering goods and all that, I remember a few weeks ago, I was actually in your area and one of the supermarkets in your area was doing a delivery at the back, constant delivery. We were stuck in a jam for more than 20 minutes. I actually did the short video because the trucks that were pulling in, mm. were, they were too crowded. They had to unload before they could move out. Mm. And to me, if you think about it, in European countries, and I'm not using Europe as a benchmark that you must follow, but all this is done very early in the morning or late yeah. at night. Yeah, correct. Yeah. When there's barely anybody on the roads. Yeah, so why can't they do it the same time? The th reason is they don't want to pay overtime. Correct. Yeah. Well, these trucks happen to be next to a Mercedes-Benz showroom. Yes, sir. I know yes, where you sir. mean. You know where? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, coming back to the piece of news about heavy vehicles being yes. prohibited to enter main roads in KL now, we're seeing um, the list of roads um, yes. that have been shared by JPJ last week. I'm, I'm not sure if we are seeing any less lorries and big vehicles, anything exceeding 7,500 kilograms. Um, mm. And the roads list uh, is quite extensive, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. Yeah, all roads uh, in Kuala Lumpur City Centre are prohibited, and Jalan Kuching, Jalan Genting Klang, Jalan Ceras, plus highway um, from Rawang towards City Centre, and also um, coming into town from Bukit Raja into City Centre. Jalan Toraza, Jalan Istana, Jalan Skambut, and Jalan Sentol. And uh, for the evenings as well, specifically Jalan Kepom, Jalan Ipoh, Karak Highway, Jalan Gombak, Jalan Genting Klang, Jalan Ceras, Jalan Sungai Besi, and Jalan Klang Lama, which is always congested. Um, yeah. Those who fail to comply will be compounded with not more than 300 ringgit or charged in court, uh, where the fine imposed will not be less than 300 ringgit and not exceeding 2,000 ringgit. I have a question. If we are mm. on the road at these times, can I report it and where? I, I, I think you should take a picture. If you don't have a dash cam, take a picture with your phone, send it to JPJ. Why not? You know, I mean, we have photographic proof and if you can show mm. the timings, you know, put up your watch or maybe there's a timestamp mm. on your on your smartphone, you know. These are things you can do as a citizen to assist the police department. And I can help out with that as well. So an app that I interviewed a couple of weeks ago and I have okay. no affiliation with this app. It's called okay. Reportla. Uh, you can okay. find it in the Apple App Store or Google Play. You take a photograph, you tell it uh, where the problem is, and it automatically sends it to the relevant authorities, and it GPS tags it as well. This goes oh, for things great. like potholes, double parking, anything. Fantastic. You should actually, Daniel, you should probably do a story on this for all I, these potholes. and Exactly, exactly. Great. Whoever developed it, thank you very much. Yes. Thank okay. you. What we got? We're looking at uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5 EV numbers and uh, the bookings have surged past 400 units in Malaysia, even though, you know, the Ioniq 5 electric vehicle is not the most popular Hyundai model on sale, but they've seen a, a surge in sales into recent months. There is a bit of a hurdle right now, which is delivery. It is going to be slower as the global demand for this car has been beyond belief, actually. A lot of people are ordering this car. Yeah, I actually went into the showroom to 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 pick up Ionic Five for a test drive, which will be coming up uh, next week. While I was there, which was just about half an hour, uh, family came in. They looked at the Ionic Five. Before I left, I just you know smiled at the salesperson and I said, you know, good luck. 
And he says, thank you, but they already just booked it. <laughs> I said, what? Wow. Then I, I turned around, I went back and said, can I have a chat with you? He says, I said, how often does this happen? He said, you know, sir, every day there's somebody coming in and buying. Sometimes you have three in a day. Sometimes you have two in a day. Yes, there are some cancellations because some people are not willing to wait six, seven, eight, nine months, you see? Mm. But it's that long and it's not that, you know, uh, it's a Malaysian problem. It's a global problem because as a factory produces it, it's also have it is also having problems, you know, getting shipment of parts uh, mm-hmm. because the parts come from few from few suppliers. Some pro- suppliers are having issue with their parts. But when you look at this Ionic 5, this is what I want to say today. This car was being sold without any restrictions in terms of, of timeline. I mean, they had enough stock. I think the orders now will be easily 900 to 1,000 units. Mm. Easy. Easy. You know, I can see how it can be appealing because electric cars in Malaysia now, there's the tax-free price, uh, there's yeah. a tax-free incentive for full electric vehicles beginning from the start of the year, also free road tax for electric vehicles up to yes. 25. So, um, it is very encouraging. I mean, it's, it's, it's great news and you know, hmm. at the moment, it's the best-selling Hyundai vehicle in Malaysia and I think it's going to be the best-selling for the next maybe few years. And, you know, there are other Ionic models coming out, other full electric vehicles coming out. I think that's going to just change the whole landscape for the Hyundai brand in Malaysia. What's the price? Uh, the price starts at 199 and it goes up to 259 uh, But most people are buying the high-spec 259 which is, you know, with all the bells and whistles. So Malaysians got money, eh? Typical. I was going to say typical. They want everything. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> as would I if I was spending that amount of money exactly. to be fair exactly. as with all of us you know yeah yeah. 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 okay next onwards and upwards next what we got next uh, a story of Audi Malaysia uh, recently oh, what a sad Malaysia. story what a sad story <laughs> yeah they just announced the closure of their sales and service centre in Setia Alam which uh, they opened in 2019 um, what's the story here Daniel closing temporarily okay announcement came as you know uh, we, are, we are upgrading and you know uh, improving and, and everything else now this mm. is a state of the art showroom that is just three years old guys you know Eesh. I mean this this showroom you go inside it's it's wow, you know, when, when they when they developed it and when they put it up, it was already the best looking Audi showroom in the country. You're saying you're 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 improving on it. What what is that improve? Some of the Audi showrooms in Malaysia are like ten years old, twelve years old. They need improvement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they need some cleaning also, you know. So this one, first of all, I think Let's be frank, like I I called in some of the you know the previous employees. I know some of the previous employees. They say, well, you know, sales have been disappointing. We spoke to some of our colleagues. The owners feel that you know, right right at the moment, it's not worth to continue the business. Also, because the new models that came in, which we highlighted a few weeks ago, uh, were not well received. Because why? Audi as a brand in Malaysia has not been spending on advertising, promoting. I mean, even for us, we only found out about the two new models by accident. They didn't even send us the press release and, and information. We found, found out by accident through one of the employees. And then we called the PR department and said, hey, listen, what's going on here? They say, oh, sorry, sorry, we forgot to send out. And I noticed nobody else in Malaysia, I'm talking about the media, made the announcement of the new models. So if you're not going to let people know out there you've got something new in the showrooms, how are you going to get showroom traffic to go in? Mm-hmm. And Audi in Singapore handles the PR and marketing for Malaysia, you know, because they closed the Malaysian office some years ago. They scaled it down, like, you know, they got a skeleton crew here. So if you've got a skeleton crew here, it's obviously that you're not interested in taking the brand further. This is how I look at it, okay? No, that and, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and Audi is a huge brand globally with only two proper competitors in Malaysia. I would say two because why? 
Germans, Mercedes-Benz and BMW, right? Mm. Now, you got Volvo coming in from the back. And, you know, Volvo used to be very quiet. The last few years, Volvo has grown in leaps and bounds. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we've got Porsche who's doing local assembly. And, you know, last time we said, oh, these German brands are too proud to do local assembly. Porsche is doing local assembly. Now, Audi says, we're not going to do local assembly because we don't have the numbers. But if you do local assembly, you will get the numbers, which means you have to invest. If you're not willing to invest, then how you want to go forward? So Mercedes and BMW and also Porsche and Volvo are going to be enjoying some benefits because why? One less competitor in the segment. True, yeah. So it's all down to branding, dealer development, putting yourself out there and making yourself seen and heard. On the other hand, you have other brands who basically want to spend money and do more things, but it's a tough competition for their segment, you know? Mm-hmm. For example, like Peugeot, like Mazda, like Kia, uh, uh, Nissan. You know, you, you have a lot of products, but it's tough, you know, to play in that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good that you mentioned Peugeot because uh, we've got some news about the company. Uh, now, uh, it seems that all new Peugeot vehicles sold in Malaysia will come with a new five-year warranty and free maintenance. And you can get this with immediate effect. As soon as you buy a new Peugeot, you'll get all of these perks. Recently announced by their distributor, Burma's Auto Alliance, Sanjian Berhad. So the new coverage applies to all Peugeot models currently offered by them, uh, namely the Peugeot 2008, 3008 and 5008. These are all crossover SUVs, Daniel. Yes, yes. From the smallest to the largest. So they have no problem with parts, Peugeot? At the moment, I've not heard anything wrong. You see, this is the new distributor. Burma's Auto Alliance is the new distributor. Previously, it was Nasim. They had they had issues with the brand and, you know... Uh, that's why Burmas took over. Since Burmas took over, they have, you know, to bring back people to the brand because there was a there was a, like a lull, you know, in, in, in demand and, and, and image. So with Burmas taking over, they have to do something to bring back people to the brand. And this is a very good move because if you're telling someone, hey, I'm going to give you five-year warranty, that's fine. But five-year free maintenance, which includes lubricants, parts, labor, and everything else like we just mentioned, that shows that I've got five years of worry-free ownership. That alone will push sales up. And I think it is pushing sales up because I keep seeing more new Peugeot vehicles on our roads. They're making it very, very handy for owners as well. You can just log on to a customer service website and you can Mm. make online appointments, ownership information. You just go to the Burmas Auto Peugeot Malaysia website at baasb.com.my. There we go. And on that note, let's take a short break. We'll be right back after these messages. We'll be speaking all about Daniel's favourite topic, again, electric cars. Is it booming or is it about to burst? That's all coming up after these messages here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Welcome back, folks. This is uh, Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. I'm Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm joined by Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. If you're only just joining us, uh, we had a news section just a few moments ago. We're speaking about the uh, possible relief to KL's current traffic congestion by removing some heavy goods vehicles during certain times of the day. little chat about the like, Hyundai Ioniq 5 orders, then the future of Audi in Malaysia, and then Peugeot's all-new warranty and maintenance plan. Now, we should have this discussion, shouldn't we? Are there too many new 
and less competent players entering the electric car space, Daniel. This is very hard for me to 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 explain without hurting a lot of people's <laughs> egos. I'm, you know, the electric car movement in Malaysia is fantastic. I I I am very very happy to see a large number of people really going out there and you know jumping on the bandwagon. But again, like we talked about last week, let's talk about warranty. Let's talk about after sales. The elephant in the room, like what people say, is, is the cars that are breaking down, the cars that are not working, the cars that are not functioning because of software issues, because the cars have no after sales. But put all that aside, I'm starting to worry about this because I've been reading some reports coming from certain parts of the world that says, you see, to build an electric car overnight, you've got all these new players coming in. Mm. These are not established car manufacturers. They're not even established brand manufacturers. They're not even people who have been in the automotive space and then suddenly they want to build an electric car. A simple example will be uh, the recent uh, Shanghai Motor Show. If you look at the number of new brands and models coming out, which are all electric, I think mm -hmm. there were more than two dozen. Uh -huh. And and a lot of them had like, you know, 10,000 orders, 5,000 orders, 3,000 orders. Now, you've worked in China, you know that is small numbers for China, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. What might happen is there will be enough of those guys saying, oh, you know, I think China is not doing so well. We are not well received. Let's go overseas. Let's let's try Malaysia. Let's try Indonesia. There's a big movement to, to get cheap electric cars. And then that's where we have this word called dumping, which happened many years ago with older Chinese brands who came here and started dumping and then they disappeared. And then now they've become established car brands. But meanwhile, innocent public has bought these cars and then there's no backup, you know? I'm worried that all these new brands, and you know, in my article, I've shared some pictures. You look at some of these vehicles, they look like, you know, modified golf carts, you know? You know, they yes. look like it's a box on wheels, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's no design function. You know, they might have just taken a platform from a third party and just put a, a body on it and said, okay, I'll, I'll sell it because it's electric. I just put in a smartphone application in, in the infotainment system and bop, you know, it'll run. But how long it'll run? How long will those batteries last? And then you mm. start seeing them being dumped all over the place. Then you start seeing those batteries degrading. You know, first generation electric cars, I won't mention the brands, are already starting to see a little bit of trouble and all that. So they've said, okay, discontinue, we start bringing in second generation with better mm. battery, better charging, better network, better this, better that. So what happens to the first generation in after two or three years? You know, everyone talks about recycling, but no one has actually pinpointed how they're going to do this. So my worry is this, you have so many players coming in, but you don't have so many with proper after-sales backup and warranty like the established brands in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And this is creating a whole flurry of excitement with the middle class and lower middle class who want to be with the rich with the electric cars. Yeah, you you're right. You're right. And yeah. for example, someone like me, I can only afford a 90,000 electric car. I run out and buy one of these cars because I've not done any research. But they say it's electric car. It sold 5,000 units in China. You know, when you use the word like 5,000 units, you give a lot of confidence to a Malaysian because why? If you sell 5,000 units, you have done very well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they assume, okay, I've done very well. But there's no proper office, no proper after sales. You know, if you have a side mirror broken, where do you go for the for the replacement part? If you have a windscreen shattered, where do you go for the replacement part? You know? So this is what I'm worried. Do you have an after sales facility? Do you have a technology facility? Do you have a diagnostic facility? Are you able to cater to breakdowns? You know? Mm. Yeah. Now, we often have discussions about monopolies here in Malaysia, whether or not it's, you right. know, your, your, your telcos or your banks, whatever, you know, right. and that becomes an issue for us because it's one big company ruling everything. Yes. Now, 
this for me feels more like a, the open market, right? You know, bring in right. everything, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work, and eventually the cream will rise to the top. Uh, but I have a similar issue to you, though, Daniel, is that, you know, we're going to get end up with so much rubbish. Um, yes, I didn't for, want to use that word, of, but you used it. For lack of a better term, that it's going to put people off in the long run, I think, is, yes. is, is the big issue. And no doubt that a lot of these cars that are coming over will have their own type of charger. They'll need their own type of place to be charged. You know, and what we really need to be looking at is standardizing the whole thing. If if a lot of these cars are coming over and they have a standardized adapter and all of that kind of stuff, then I don't really see a problem as long as there are places where they can be repaired if there's an issue. Hmm. I think we'll leave it at that, gentlemen. Yes. Okay, let's move along and take yet another short break here on Cruise Control. When we come back after these messages, we will be having a car review. It's the Mercedes-Benz S580e. So don't go anywhere. Grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and relax. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes here on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, the business station. It is Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury on the phone with Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. We've had some news. We've had a bit of a chat about electric cars. Time for a car review. Mercedes-Benz S580e. Daniel, take it away. Okay, so when I was given this car, I was so happy because I thought to myself, you know, Ali, this is the perfect car for you. So this review is for you, Ali, for the car that you're going to buy next week. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the S-Class. Think about it, gentlemen. Uh, correct me at any point if I'm wrong in this, making this statement. This is the go-to luxury car for any business person in Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. You know? The, the second thing is, you know, I've never met a Mercedes-Benz S-Class owner that grumbles. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Where's this going? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Third, third, uh, very important third. Uh, there are a lot of competitors out there. A lot of competitors out there. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's even competitors that cost double the price, like Bentley, Rolls Royce, mm. and then of course you got you know the, the immediate rivals BMW with the seven series, Audi with the A8, which looks absolutely gorgeous. You got Lexus with the LS. You know, in 2021, world luxury car was voted by 93. Distinguished international journalists from 28 countries. Okay, I was not on, on it because, you know, mm. I, I'm not distinguished. And they gave it to this new S-Class. Okay. That says a mm. lot, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got vehicles costing twice as much, maybe even three times as much, and you've got vehicles costing as much, but still the Mercedes S-Class took the top honours. That I think that's a fantastic thing. If you had been on the World Car Awards jury panel, would you vote for this car as well? Of course, because I'm distinguished. <laughs> you know, but that is assuming that I get called in. Anyway, so in Malaysia so far, since the S-Class was, was launched, the first model was launched sometime in the 1970s, 18,000 units officially were sold in Malaysia. 18,000 units. Wow. Now that, if you add on all the reconditioned S-Classes that came in after you know, every single model, I think easily double the figure. Easily double the figure. 
And I don't think the competitors can even come close in that kind of numbers. Yeah. I'm talking about the BM7, the Audi A8. I don't think they even come half the number. So Mercedes has done a very good job with the S-Class, especially in this part of the world. And you know, that three-pointed star says a lot when you arrive at somebody's house or office or wherever. It just says you've made it. So if you look at it, a lot of small, medium uh, business owners, they're doing well. They're not doing very well. But they will go and buy an S-Class. Why? It says that I'm a success, which means you'll want to do business with me. Sometimes they're forced to buy a recon model or even a used model simply because they can't afford the new model. But the dream is to own the new one because why? This car is so famous, people know when there's a new model out. People know what the new model looks like. Even though it's a slight nip and tuck, they know. But with this new S-Class, everything is new. At one glance, immediately, you know, the new face, the headlamps, the side profile, the rear profile, everything is new. Then you get into the car. And you know, I tell you, Mercedes-Benz really knows how to put on a show. <laughs> With all the new Mercedes-Benz, you know, the color combination, the screens, the color, the ambient lighting, how many colors you can choose, you can play with and everything else. And then they got the leather color. Did you see the pictures, guys? It's beautiful, yeah. yeah. You know, those pictures on DSF, you look at it, uh, the interior color, it just shouts money. You know, it just mm, shouts, mm. I got loads of money. Mm. And this time around, what they've done is they've moved the center screen down. They've not put it side by side with the cockpit screen. Mm -hmm. So they've made it look very, you know, it's more horizontal than vertical. And what All they've right. done is they've put air conditioning vents above it. As a design function and flow, it probably makes a lot of sense to put the air conditioning vents on top because it cools the cabin faster. It sends air to the back because most of the owners will be sitting at the back, right? But personally, I looked at those air conditioning vents, not my cup of tea. Right. I prefer the air conditioning vents on the A-class and the C-class where they're all round. You know, they look like jet engines. Uh, those to me look the best. This one, you know, horizontal sitting on top there. It looks yeah. like an air freshener sitting on top there. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. But again, it's not my cup of tea, you know. Mm. And then when you see the center console, it's very nice. It's clear, you know, easy to use. You know, the steering wheel. The steering yeah. wheel has got soft touch controls on the left and right. Now, the left side controls all the center stack functions, right? The right side control controls everything in the in the cockpit in front of the driver. Got it. Okay? So, yeah. if you're using your left hand, you're controlling the center screen. If you're using your right hand, you're controlling the, the rectangular screen right in front of you. So, Mercedes-Benz makes it very easy for you to get used to this vehicle. Of course, when we test drive, we're only test driving it for a few days, you know? But if you live with the vehicle, you'll understand more of what I'm trying to say. And then, like all Mercedes-Benz, the, the premium models, the, the SUVs, the sedans and everything else, the power seat controls, that means the front two seats, the power seat controls are on the door. They're up on the door panel. You get what I mean? So that means you don't have to reach down below your seat and start fiddling with the button you're trying to look for. You, you get what I mean or not? Yeah, yeah. When it's on the door, you can clearly see, I want to recline, I want to go forward, I want to go backwards, I want to lie down, I want to, you know, get up, you know? So very clear, very easy. They've made this car so user-friendly that once you drive a Mercedes-Benz, it'll be very difficult for you to get into another brand. You know, because... They've the hooked you wheel in. Controls, sorry? They've hooked you in. Yes, yes. And it's a great gimmick. I mean... The fact that the brand, the iconic, the, the comfort, the, the, the features and the, and the reliability, put all that aside. But they hook you in with all these kind of, you know, Mercedes-only features that if you get into another brand, you're like, oh, yo. 
this car very <laughs> difficult to use because automatically you're trying to make it function like your Mercedes Benz. <laughs> yeah. So so this is why the repeat customer keeps coming back. Very smart, very good marketing, very good design language. Mm. Now next comes, you know, all the little features, the 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 light and this and that and all that. All that is too long to mention. Let's go straight to the driving of this car. Now. Like I told you earlier, a lot of these guys have chauffeurs, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting in the back, it's so easy for Richard to get in because it's a large seat and it's got a lot of reg- leg room. And okay. you don't have to bend so much because the, the roof height is also high, you know? Mm. Okay, so that's, that's great comfort because Richard is a tall and muscular man, you know? Once you're inside, you've got a screen in front of you which is hooked on to the back of the driver's seat. So you can control all your little functions, you know, and everything else. So basically, you you have full function of the center co- console as as a as a rear passenger, which is what you want to be because you're the boss, right? Now, if you're feeling a little bit lazy to reach to that screen, the center armrest at the back. If you pull it down, there's another control unit there, and it's touch right. screen and easy for mm-hmm. you for you to use. So they make it so easy for you to sit in the back and just enjoy yourself. Plus, the rear seat is also electric-powered to recline and put your feet up. That is next level. Exactly. So, when Richard is traveling outstation, it doesn't matter whether there's a traffic jam or not. Richard is just reclining and enjoying himself. True? With the bells and whistles in the front, it's hard Mm -hmm. to just sit behind if you're an owner. You'd want to drive this car. You see, that's the thing. This car is so comfortable. If you drive it like I did, it's also a driver's car. But when I got into the back seat and I got someone to drive me, which was my wife, I found it so comfortable. I could start thinking of, you know, when can I retire? When can I cash in my, my house and my retirement benefits and just buy this car? Because this is what you want to live with day to day. If you're really, really rich and you want to go around the country. You get what I mean? Yeah. Pure luxury. Pure luxury. Pure luxury. I mean, yes, people say, you know, get a big MPV, get a luxury MPV and all that. A luxury MPV is all fine and dandy. But then once in a while, when you want to drive it, it's a bit difficult to park. You have to double park. You have to cause a traffic jam. You know, you have to do all kinds of things. With a car like this, you can drive it easily. You know, you can, you can, you can get into the driver's seat and still enjoy it. Now, for this time around, Mercedes-Benz has made the S-Class a plug-in hybrid with a three-liter six-cylinder petrol engine mated to a nine-speed gearbox. Now, this large vehicle, despite only having a six-cylinder engine, will still do a 0 to 100 acceleration in 5.2 seconds. That's very fast for a large car. Yeah. You know? Now, you might say, okay, who's going to go this fast? Is the S-Class and all that? Yes. Nobody is going to go to 0 to 100 all the time. But in case you're at a traffic light, and you're the first car, and it's late at night, and you just want to feel a little bit of sporty, you know, driving things, you just go it in the sports mode, click sports mode, 5.2 seconds, you do it, you get it out of your system, you know? Mm. And it handles when? The air suspension on this car handles so well. It's just wafting around. Speed bumps, everything, you just feel a little bit. You don't feel much because why? It's air suspension. And Mercedes-Benz has been playing with air suspension for so many years, every generation gets improved, 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 you know? Mm. So like on the highway, you're literally gliding. You know, you, you feel, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you've got a drone following an S-Class uh, doing 110 on the highway, you actually look at it like, you know, the wheels are disappearing in and out of the, the wheel arch, you know? Because it's wow. just gliding along. The body stays in one motion, but the wheels are moving up and down. You get what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. I do. That's yeah. a great thing about S-Class air suspension. Like so when we, a cheetah runs, its head keeps its... It doesn't move, does it? Yes. National Geographic. Mm. I saw that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of power delivery, you got 367 horsepower. Very good power. 500 newton meters of torque. If you've got an open uh, aircraft runway, you can do 250 kilometers. You can't do it on a highway because it's not allowed. This car sells for 698 thousand ringgit now oh. a lot of people are going to sign and say oh so much money oh but remember this the previous s-class the one that was just before this model was six hundred and ninety-nine thousand. okay yes the difference is only one thousand plus but the price is going down despite price of materials going up logistics costs going up everything else going up this price is going down and there's more power more features more technology in the car so in the grand scheme of things, it's actually better priced. By a thousand ringgit. Yes. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for joining us on uh, today's show. Of course, we'll be back same time, same place next week. But if you did miss any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend using the BFM app. It's got a new shiny face right now. Head over to uh, the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store to take a look at that. If you don't want to do that, head over to our website. That's just bfm.com. My name is Rich Bradbury on behalf of Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.ny. This is BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to BFM.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.